This is WFG Insights, your download on the real estate market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending, keeping you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, we look back on the past year with WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone, who offers insight in challenging times and an optimistic outlook for the latter half of next year. And welcome to another episode of WFG Insights with WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone back with us to wrap up what has been a wild year in real estate. Pat, thanks for joining us. Uh, Before we get into a recap of 2022, I swear we've been talking about a recession for so long, I almost feel fatigued like we've been in one, even though we probably haven't. But just what a weird and wacky year it's been, right? Well, we have what's called, uh, and you've heard the term, recession obsession. And, uh, you know, candidly, there are all kinds of indicators out there that that suggest or indicate that we will have a recession. It hasn't manifested itself yet because of the tremendous purchasing power of the American consumer and investment power of American businesses and, and investors. So um, I do think you're going to see it. I do think you're going to see it uh Q1 and Q2 of 2023. Um, I think the global recession is going to be fairly meaningful. Uh, I think the U.S. recession will be much lighter and probably not even noticeable to most people. But it's going to happen. I mean, you've got an inverted yield curve. You've got a lot of things going on that uh, are typically and almost 100% associated with a recession. You know, so much money out there. Um, Does that, you know, help? blunt the recession? I mean, we we have an inflation issue because of it. I know that. But, you know, all the investment people I talk to keep coming back to the amount of money that's on the sidelines right now. Does that help us? Well, there are two comments here, uh, Brian. The recession was not caused solely by too much money. It exacerbated the problem, but the problem really occurred because there was a disruption uh, in how money was spent. So typically, you know, the economy is a combination of goods and services. And typically the growth rate of both is pretty much aligned. But because of the pandemic, because of the shutdown of personal interaction, there was no money being spent on services and there was a lot of money to spend on goods. Now, that was exacerbated by some of the uh, the uh, helpful uh, or attempts to be helpful on the part of the government and some of the excess funding. But you had a disruption, no dollars on services, a lot of the dollars going to goods, and that was exacerbated, and pardon me for using that word too many times, by disruptions in the supply chain. So we had a really unusual event, and you heard the Fed say it's transitory. I honestly believe it would have been transitory had it not been for the Russia-Ukraine war. And uh, what our media and a lot of people still don't get is globalization is already over. It's already happened. We live in a global economy. You have a disruption like the Ukraine war impacting energy prices and food prices. That's going to create a prolonged uh, inflationary environment. And then what happens is what I call markup and profit. And that's when all your uh, business people say, well, you know, there's this inflation out here, so I'm going to raise my prices, make a little money. And then the rationalization is that their labor costs are going up. Typically, that happens after they raise their prices. But the markup and profit has occurred. So uh, getting rid of the inflation, I think, is going to happen. I think it's already starting to happen. 
But it really was a combination of things. And then, of course, the Russian-Ukraine war made it much worse than it needed to be. You talk about Russia, Ukraine. How about China, too? You see what's happening there with these lockdowns, <laughs> this zero that's COVID a, policy, right? I mean, that's a big deal because, you know, that's no, it's a big deal because you've got a, obviously they're a key player in the global economy, as you often talk about. And to see what's happening there, that has to have an impact, too, right? Well, I think it's actually having a non-inflationary impact. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I think what's going to happen is they'll be lowering their cost in order to remain competitive. A couple of things have happened here. We've had, uh, because of the supply chain disruption and this pandemic-induced uh, inflation, we've had most major national companies and manufacturers start to disperse their supply chain and their manufacturing locations. So instead of just having a plant in China that manufactures, a lot of plants are moving to Southeast Asia, Vietnam, and other places. Uh, many companies are doing a, keeping a plant in China, but also building a plant in Mexico. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of things like that happen. China itself is really in a bad situation. Uh, that is a a direct result of a very dictatorial regime uh, who does not pay attention to the free market economy. Uh, and that's what really helped the country get where it was. And uh, give you an example, we've had, uh, if you look at China, you see some tremendous problems with developers. Well, what you don't hear is the fact that if you buy a home in China or a condo in China, um, you take out a mortgage and pay for it before it's built. So you have hundreds of thousands of people in China that have been paying mortgages for a couple of years and nothing's been built yet. So that's causing a lot of problems. Their uh, development real estate market is way upside down. In fact, virtually all aspects of the Chinese economy are upside down now. Um, I don't think that's going to hurt the U.S. I think that actually helps us, helps us in a lot of ways. Again, most national or international companies are dispersing their supply chain and their manufacturing sites. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting to see what's played out this year. And we're going to offer some insight from you for real estate professionals, title agents out there in just a minute to navigate through next year. Before we get to that, I want to kind of talk through uh, what happened with mortgage interest rates over the past year and look ahead into next year. And we've already started to see uh, some numbers come in here that show that inflation is cooling. Uh, the Fed chair has been very vocal about, you know, maintaining the course with rate hikes until this gets under control. Um, how does this play out, you think, over the next year in terms of, uh, you know, the overall uh, interest rate scheme and then mortgage rates in particular? Well, mortgage rates just came down for the third week. I think there's 6.49% now. Uh, my gut is that they probably stay at that level through February and March. I do think you're going to see a significant drop in the inflationary numbers in February and March. Now, there's two uh, common gauges of, uh, of measuring inflation, consumer price index and personal consumption expenditures. Um, you know, just real quickly, uh, CPI, consumer price index, is predicated on consumption expenditure surveys and what they do is they talk to a lot of consumers and ask them how they're spending the money, how much they're paying, so forth and so on. About 42% of all CPI is based on real estate and about 25% of that is based on imputed rent. Well, the interesting thing that happens is that number, that survey runs about five to six months behind the actual number. Yep. We've had rent appreciation declining significantly for quite a few months now. And the rent number the CPI shows, uh, imputed rent number that the CPI uses is still going up. So there's about a five to six month lag between the CPI number and 
what is actually happening in the background. So I think it'll catch up by February, March. Uh, uh, personal consumption expenditures are based on business surveys. A component of that is also based on real estate. Both of them will show a marked decline in inflation in February and March because the imputed rent numbers start being shown in those numbers. So I think uh, supply chains uh, opened up. We've got um, less money proportionately going into goods versus services. Services are coming back dramatically. Uh, I think once the these measurements start getting back into alignment with reality, you'll see those numbers come down and you'll see the inflationary pressure abate fairly quickly. If we get the Russia-Ukraine war behind us, I see things getting very good by next summer or early next fall. The Russia-Ukraine situation could prolong some inflationary pressure uh, for quite a while unless it's resolved. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, you talk about inventory, well-established. We're talking about residential, real estate, single-family inventory still being very tight, so we don't need to go there. But, um, you know, you talk about rents. Uh, are we factoring in multifamily with that? Because, Pat, I just tell you what I see, not what I read, but, you know, driving around the Salt Lake City area, I see a lot of multifamily, uh, almost complete, a lot of it. And I think, boy, you know, who's moving in there? I mean, are, is it still tight in multifamily or are we going to see an excess of, of that inventory coming on next year? No, because what's happened is we've had a, we've had phenomenal growth in, in household formation. Household formation, basically what that means is people moving out and finding a place to live, not necessarily buying a house, but moving out of their parents' house and finding a place to live. Household formation has gone up dramatically the last few years. We haven't been building single family residences. So the demand for multifamily will be there for the next couple of years. I don't see a problem with that. But the pace of acceleration with rents has gone way, way down and will continue to go down. As uh, more units come online, it will get back to normal. So it sounds to me like you're thinking maybe latter half of next year, optimistically, we might start to see things turn around. Mortgage rates maybe come down a little bit, uh, get through a, a soft recession here in the U.S. and maybe start to turn the corner as early maybe as next fall. Well, here's my prediction now, um, you know, and, and I, I will make a comment here for the benefit of anybody watching and listening. I've been through multiple recessions. Uh, the worst one, that, the one that's seared in my memory, of course, is when the SNL system failed and we had mortgage rates at 15 and a half percent in the early 80s. Um, I can't even tell you that was beyond bad. That was basically everything came to a stop. Um, I am cautiously optimistic that the second half of next year will be better than the second half of 22. Uh, and now, in all reality, that's not a very high bar to clear. <laughs> I mean, this second half of 22 has been pretty pretty tough for everybody. I see mortgage rates staying at about six and a half through February and March. I see them coming back uh, back to about six by uh, by the spring, five and a half by uh, the midsummer and five by the end of next year. So I think, the, and the demand for home, home ownership is gonna stay uh, fairly strong for the foreseeable future. So I do think mortgage rates will come down because inflation is coming down. And I do think the second half of next year will be noticeably better than the second half of this year. What we've seen in Q4 will continue in Q1. Things will start getting better in Q2, much better in Q3 and Q4. That's good to hear. Now, it will be a very difficult year in the real estate industry. There's no question about that. I want to talk to you about, let's start with title agents out there who are watching or listening to this. 
What's your advice for the independent title agents out there who you know, go into next year uh, and, and know it's going to be a tough year? How do you manage your business? Well, you know, the first thing I think, and I don't mean to sound fatherly, uh, and I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but here's what I would suggest. The first thing you should do is sit down and come to grips with the fact that you're not responsible for this economy. You're not responsible for what has happened to your market. You're not responsible for the drop in business. You are responsible for reacting to it in a positive, progressive, and strong, sustainable manner. What you need to do is you need to get your expenses in line with your revenue. Your revenue has gone down. So what do you need to do to get your expenses in line? Obviously, in our industry, 40 to 55% of almost everybody's expenses are personnel related. You're going to have to adjust your staff. It's tough to do, but do it. Because the longer you go on without doing it, the more people you put at risk. So if you really want to sustain your operation and take care of your people that have worked hard to help you build that operation, adjust your staff quickly. Have a metric in mind. How many open files per employee should you do to be profitable? At least break even to profitable. And then manage to that number and adjust accordingly. The second thing you need to do is you need to look at where you spend your money and how much of a differentiating factor each purchase is. In other words, if you're spending your money on something that gives you no market differentiation, outsource it. So a lot of agents have already outsourced title production because the preparation of a title report is not really a differentiating factor in their market comparing them to their competitors. There are a lot of things if you look at, you do not really differentiate yourself. So if you're not differentiating yourself, don't spend the money by sustaining the capability to do it yourself, outsource it. So you, so you basically spend money when you need to spend it and you, you create a variable expense, if you will. You don't have the expense if you don't need it. You do have that expense to the level that you need it. You don't sustain a capability you don't need. So get hard-nosed about it, right? Adjust your staff. Make sure that, you're variable, that you make as many expenses variable as you can. And manage to the penny. Now, I mean, this is the hard part. And it took me a long time to figure this one out. Be positive. You need to remain positive. You, if you're positive and that you know that you're going to get through it and prosper, and you will if you get through it intact, in you will prosper because many of your competitors won't. If you maintain a positive attitude, your people will, will grab onto that. They'll believe in what you're doing and you'll, you'll be successful. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that because I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's staying positive and marketing too. You mentioned personnel, but marketing also goes out the window. And I mean, you have to be more creative with your marketing. You can't stop marketing. You need to continue to communicate, obviously, with all of your top referral sources. You need to go out and build new ones, right? Now is a great time to focus on building your business. And it sounds crazy to say that in a down market, but this is when you have that opportunity to get out in front of people because maybe you're not as busy as you were a year ago, right? Well, plus your competitors are probably hiding under their desk. <laughs> They're not out there chasing it. They're not out there trying to take care of their clients. Yeah. If you outwork your competitors, you win. No question. Now, some of that applies to real estate brokerages, real estate professionals as well. Uh, they see it through a different lens, another side of the campfire, as I like to say. But I know I want to get your uh, advice for them as well. Well, you know, it it comes down to misconceptions in the market that they're they're dealing with. First of all, 
a lot of buyers now believe that they're going to see a significant drop in home prices. Uh, that's incorrect. And I'll talk about that in a second. A lot of sellers think that, you know, everybody's got a great markup and everybody's had multiple offers. So we're going to get more for our home. Hmm. That's incorrect. Also, the, the market is coming back into aligned in terms of supply and balance. And if people say, well, Pat, uh, prices have gone up. How can you say the supply? Well, look at the amount of listings. Listings are down. The amount of homes on the market are way down. Uh, the supply demand balance is surprisingly good right now. And you haven't seen a great deal of, of a depreciation in home prices. Now, you may see it in certain markets. There are markets like Boise, Idaho, uh, Austin, Texas, Phoenix. Uh, each of those will have a little bit more of a price uh, uh, adjustment than the average American market. The average American market is not going to see uh, any or very little uh, decline in prices. So, Tell your buyers, hey, look, it's a supply demand issue. We haven't been building new homes for a long time. And we are, uh, and it's really hard to get a good number on this, but we are at least one and a half million to three million homes behind where we should be because home building has been depressed for 12 years. So there's not an, an excess supply of homes on the market. People that own homes are, are in financially good shape. The average FICO score for the last four years on mortgages, 66% of all mortgages have had over a 760 FICO score. There's not going to be a foreclosure wave. Uh, there's not an excess of houses, so prices aren't going to crash. I had an individual talk to me the other day and said, Pat, yeah, but you know, there was all this money went into buying investor homes and uh, that's going to create the, the huge surplus of homes on the market. Well, interestingly enough, and then there was an article that came out in October, um, investor purchases of home dropped dramatically. It dropped all the way back to where it was in December of 2019. So in other words, we're back to where we were at the beginning of the pandemic. Was there too many bought during the pandemic? Yeah, but not. there's not going to be enough to make a huge difference in prices. It's not going to happen. So long story short, home prices are going to where they are. I think appreciation will slow down dramatically, but I don't think you're going to see a big drop in home prices. So buyers, let's find what you like. Let's buy what you like. Uh, there's adjustments now being made where people are buying down rates and doing other things to help you get that home. Uh, also, there's a thing called refinance. As rates come back down, you can refinance. Sellers, you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get a huge competition for your home. So, the, listen to the realtor and what they tell you the price should be, and put it on the market. You sound uh, you know you've used the word certitude or lack thereof, a lot over the past year, you sound like there is more certitude now, is there? Well, um, I, you know, one of the things that's happened, and, and uh, I, I, I can get off on a tangent here, and I, I know you don't want me to, so no, I'll please, try not go ahead. to. But go ahead. <laughs> one of the things that's happened in our country is that the media no, is no longer about news. Uh, uh, media is about making money. So you get uh, headlines, and information that is put out there by the media to get your attention, uh, not necessarily educate you. And very rarely does it have contextual relationship with the past so that you can say how important it is or how big of an impact it was, right? So the American consumer uh, has, uh, because of all the issues going on, because of the pandemic, because of inflation, because of the geopolitical issues, uh, because of all the issues gone, the American consumer has been wallowing in uncertainty now for a couple of years. And uh, that's really created a problem. I mean, we have uh, 
We have consumer sentiment measure, which is still below where it was during the Great Recession, even though we're in a much better place economically. Uh, so we have a lot of uncertainty out there. I do think we're starting to get a little bit of certitude. I do think that people, if they sit down and think about it and, and really do a little research, uh, can feel a little bit better about where we are. Candidly, one man's opinion, uh, the U.S. is in very, very good shape. If there's a global recession, the American consumer still has significant excess dollars. The American businesses and investors have significant excess dollars. We will prosper in a global recession. That's good to hear. You know, it's worth pointing out, too, and you lived through uh, the 1980s and everything that happened there. We, you know, we hear about that a lot, of course, with inflation as high as it is now. But isn't it true that during that uh, recession, didn't home prices stay pretty stable or in some cases actually rise? You know, they didn't go down very much. Um, and, and that was because, uh, you know, but there's a lot of reasons for it, but they didn't go down very much. There wasn't a tremendous amount of speculation prior to that uh, the situation. And, uh, you know, so and we'd had this uh, stagflation going on forever. And, and, you know, that term gets misused a lot now. And stagflation really was when you have you have people raising prices because there's no growth. And in order to have report earnings or give raises, you got to raise your prices. So that stagnant economy, inflation is making up for the fact that it's a stagnant economy. We do not have a stagnant economy now. We don't. Uh, you know, we've had rapid home price appreciation, which we didn't have prior to the 80s. So and I, let me take that back. We had fairly significant home price appreciation in the 70s, but it slowed down in the early 80s. So, you know, it's hard to compare any particular recession with the next because there's too many variables that are different. Uh, but I think we're in a I think we're in a pretty good situation right now. Uh, let me put it this way. I think we're in a situation right now where you can be optimistic that this time next year is going to be better than it is right now. You know, too, in all fairness, uh, it's hard to believe 15 years ago, uh, the Great Recession, we were at the, at the precipice of that, right? And I believe that so many people, Generation X particularly, so scarred by that, that, you know, the word recession, uh, any of this stuff, it, it brings back those memories because you have an entire generation or two of people in America that lived through that, lost homes, millions of people. So, you know, it, it's a hot button. So I guess I can see why people fear the worst because that was pretty bad. Um, this would be the first recession since then, I guess, if you don't count the pandemic recession we had just for a little bit, right? I mean, so that that plays in. I mean, it's it's that mindset of people who did lose homes, right? Let me give everybody some context. This is nothing like that. What we had happen there, we had product and credit risk at a at a historical high. Product risk, I'm talking about uh, stated income loans. Uh, you could walk in and get a loan and say, well, I make 500,000 a year, even if you're unemployed, nobody checked, right? Yeah. So we had we had uh, product and we had subprime mortgages. We had credit risk. Nobody was nobody was checking the underlying credit of the individuals involved. It was it was really bad. I was a significant investor in a mortgage company. We sold it in April of 07. The reason we sold the company was because if you looked at what Wall Street was doing with mortgages, there was a thing called collateralized debt obligations. They would buy mortgages, they would put them into a security, and then they would sprinkle in a significant amount of subprime high interest rate mortgages on top of it to get the overall rate up on that security. Well, when the when the bubble burst, these uh, these securitized mortgages crashed. They crashed because they were comprised of a lot of garbage. 
we do not have garbage loans out there right now. We don't. We have a minimal amount of any subprime or non-conforming loans. So we are in a much different situation than we were prior to the Great Recession. Uh, we just do not have that situation whatsoever in the real estate market. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear. Uh, for some, it's still fresh, but I mean, obviously, we're not going to experience that this time. And uh, it's good to see where things are going. So it sounds like overall, I mean, you feel get through the first, you know, six months maybe of next year, and hopefully we'll see things turn around. We'll talk much more about this in January. We'll have a whole other slew of information come out uh, as we tape here on December 1st. We'll have another 30 to 45 days of information come out. The world changes daily. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but it does sound like, uh, you know, from your perspective where you sit, if we get through the first half of next year, things might start to turn around a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, if I could sum it up in, in sort of a blunt manner, we are close to the bottom, right? Um, I do think that December will be slightly worse than November, January, maybe like December, I think February, kind of like that. And I think March just starts to get better. So six months from now, you're going to definitely be more optimistic. 12 months from now, it's not going to be the same world. I actually think it'll be significantly better 12 months from now. So we are at or near the bottom. Adjust to the market you're in now. Be hard-nosed about it. Be crystal clear about what you're doing. You're not responsible for this problem, but it is your obligation to fix it, right? So get adjusted to the market, get through the next three or four months, and then you'll be in a growth opportunity. And stay off social media and all that as much as you can, <laughs> <Yes>. right? I mean, <laughs> yes. don't, don't get freaked out. Don't be clicking on things every day. I mean, it just it's uh, it'll drive you crazy, right? It will. It will. <laughs> well, Patrick, we appreciate your insight as always. Enjoy the holidays, and we'll see you in 2023. Thank you. Look forward to it. Happy holidays. Thanks to WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone for joining us. And thank you for partnering with WFG. WFG.